0: afternoon back here with another exciting chapter of the axe laid to the root let's see where we go in our story moving on the introduction now into part one foundations and the session called in the beginning in the beginning the genesis story said god made man human beings male and female in his image okay let's think on that let's just start there what God wanted it's plain is that he would reproduce sons like unto his own son that was the whole purpose Uh, who is God? what is God? these are questions that are far uh, Jacob Burman says there's things we can't get into because it confuses us Um, We know about as much of God as a farmer knows the farmer, I mean, a cow knows the farmer who brings in the hay. Um, We don't really have much of an idea of what the farmer's life is. Uh, We only know about the hay. So when here's the farmer comes and he brings us the hay, we associate him with the hay. So we're glad for that and we're thankful for it. But we don't really have an understanding of that. And in a way well not in a way that is exactly who we are before we're born again god is it says since his reign on the just and the unjust alike um the the being and uh, life and substance of god it says by him all things consist so that means everything consists in other words it's made up of it so it says he the christ the word of god Elo. G-O-S Logos W-O capital W-O-R-D the word the spoken what God has what God has made basically is the Son and all comes into being through Him it says He made the worlds and you know I guess we we could see Him in a workshop making planets and stuff like that but no it is is out of God who is unknowable unreachable un imaginable who manifests himself in the Son, who is the is the outgoing activity of the inner hidden father. The Father is the is the source. He's he's the inner rest. He's the inner peace. And yet at the same time, the Father's love. And so it's because the Father is love, then there's this there's this love drive, the love drive that causes is it makes human beings it causes human beings to procreate we have the the sex drive but it's more than just sex there's there's a whole lot more involved uh with that but that's the same thing God has this love drive to reproduce in other words the 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 one begotten only begotten son eternal in the heavens um as being the the father's express image and likeness throughout the entire universe was to be the same life expressed in our individual form as living human beings, living in this realm of the earth where there are trees and stones and water and animals and all of these things. It's the Father's plan that through this one only begotten Son, we might all be found in Him and individual distinct forms of that one Son. So that so that when, when we're living, that it's His life in us that's doing the living. So this is God's purpose and plan from the beginning. God has been and is eternally invisible. If God is one, understand what we're saying by one. There's no other. When, we're, when something is one, that cancels out anything else. There is nothing else but one. Um, he's not one standing over in a, in a place in this universe, which is somehow some vague way somewhere in something. I mean, you can see where these questions go. We have a universe, but where is it? What's it sitting on? We can't comprehend with our time-space three-dimensional uh, minds. But uh, this is this is what God had intended for us in this in this realm, that we would be individual expressors of the universal God and Christ, who are one all in in all in all in everything, that, but that we ourselves, each individual human being, would be a re expressor in human form of that one universal um, God who has manifested Himself to us in Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. So that's what we were made to be. You know, and, and, and you can see it in the beginning of the of the Genesis story, the first creation, there's sort of a, two, there's the kind of a general creation of man in, in chapter 1, and then in chapter 2, it talks about, I may have my chapters off, but it talks about how <clears throat> he placed Adam and Eve. Adam first in the garden to till the animals. I mean, to till the the soil and uh, bring forth um, life out of the out of the earth that was that was young in its in its development. It was given to Adam to develop it, and it says he gave names to all the animals. Um, You know, and I can see we all sit here and think, well, okay, saying that, well, what am I called? I'm going to call that a pig. What am I going to call that a rooster? No, I think it's a much deeper thing than that. I think what we have to understand is naming produces consciousness. In other words, making something distinct, setting it apart from other things, and zeroing in on that object. Brings it forth in consciousness, brings it forth in understanding and reality. Like, for instance, when a child is born in a modern hospital, uh, <coughs> modern delivery room, when the child comes out of his mother's womb, what does he know? He doesn't know anything. I, I don't know what it, what I have no memory of that myself, and uh, I've heard there are some who say they do remember their birth, but most people I know can't. But so, but the baby, as far as consciousness, is an almost uh, clean slate. Um, and so, when he comes out to this operating room, and there's there's doctors and nurses and attendants and and there's and there's equipment. There's all sorts of equipment and machines and gloves and all sorts of things, towels. And what does the baby know about any of that? Not anything. It doesn't mean anything to him. He's not conscious of it. It doesn't differentiate around because he has no consciousness. He doesn't see. But as you grow older, things are presented to your consciousness. Things are presented to you. In the beginning, it's mama, baby learns mama, mother is mama, daddy, daddy, baby learns daddy. Now, I appear in his consciousness, not just as this vague shape and form that makes me warm when I see him or her, uh, that takes care of me, changes me, feeds me, and in whose presence I desire to be, Um, uh, but... But as a, a, a as a little baby, I have no consciousness of that. But when I begin to see him as daddy, you know, I've seen him a whole bunch of times, and then one day someone points at me to the baby, or I point at me, and I say daddy, or point at mama, I say mama, and then the baby, not only has he had these warm fuzzy feelings for his mother, and he has this natural uh, instinctual. Um, uh, desire and comfort in being close to his mother and uh, drinking her milk and feeling her warmth um, <clears throat> but now suddenly by the speaking of the word mama that, that changes everything it's no longer a vague um, thing that is just out there but somehow my consciousness has, has zoomed in onto that particular object mama and it becomes a thing, it becomes fixed, not a bad thing. And when I'm talking here, I'm not talking separation, I'm talking distinction in consciousness uh, is, is, is not separation. Um, separation is something else which we'll get to. But you see that as, let's say the child grows up and goes to school and he learns, that the child learns his lessons and he learns his math and he learns his science and all of those things until, and each time as he goes to school, when he goes through successive grade levels, he is conscious of more and more and more. Um, what you are allowed to do by your parents is more and more and more as you as you grow older. How far you can go away from home or what time you uh, have until you have to come home changes as your consciousness changes, and you're able to be. Consciousness is in some sense responsibility. I'm responsible for all these things. I come to this level of responsibility where all of this is in my purview. And now let's say the child goes to college, goes to medical school or goes to nursing school and and goes through all sorts of training which is repeat, repetitive, repetitive, repetitive stuff of all of these objects and all of these machines and all of these procedures and those people that learn those things they learn them in individual distinct consciousness ah yes, this machine does this this surgical instrument does this so that the doctors and nurses when they are standing there over that newborn baby who who is just ba- basically a completely empty, clean sleigh. Here are these adults wearing these suits, conscious and operating all of these other things, and but it was by it was by naming them. Okay, I see that. That's a that's, that's a scalpel. That's a forceps. That's a this. That's a that. And when you name it, it's imprinted in your consciousness, just as if you know. It's like taking notes. You know, you you think you'll hear, but it cements it in your consciousness when you write down something that you hear, or underline it, or make a note of it. When something when something hits you, it's it means that your consciousness has caught on to something. It's. It's, it's grown a little bit, it's expanded a, lo- a little bit. And so this is what God has wanted for us. Not for us to be babies, not for us to be ignorant, but us, but us to come to full consciousness of ourselves as the sons and daughters of God. So, we understand that in the beginning, God made us, and he made, it says He made our bodies out of the dust of the earth. But what did he do after that? He says he he blew into our nostrils the breath of life. Well, I think it was a. We have to believe. It it, it, it seems that it can be no other. Because Adam Adam had to live in this world. And Adam, God, does not breathe the air of this world. Um, In fact, God doesn't breathe. God is the wind. That's what spirit means. Pneuma means wind. And. so he put when and so every time it talks about that in scripture um, the, the breath of god this is the spirit of god this is the moving aspect of god and um uh got where i was going with that oh i see all right so what happens is that there's that twofold when god when god breathes into us Out of of himself, Um, two things must have been enacted at that time. First, it was his breath. Well, his breath is the spirit. God didn't have any. God didn't breathe air. God God breathes the spirit because He is the spirit. And so, therefore, um, uh, we receive in our beginning sort of two two breaths going on at the same time. I'm breathing the air of this world and it's sustaining my physical body. Even so, while breathing the air, the wind of God, and it sustains me spiritually, and in its, in its proper function, as it was in, in unconsciously in Adam and Eve before they fell, and can be now uh, ours consciously, um, is that is that the spirit rules or, or it, the the flesh is in the dominion of the spirit. It's all in the temperature, as as Jacob Burrow used to call it. Everything is in harmony. It's in order. There's the exact balance of this and this, which makes what it's supposed to be. Um, but everything, as we know, got screwed up. Got screwy. And uh, but that's our that's our original beginning. Our original beginning are of these bodies. Uh, made from the dust of the earth, but also God breathed into us His spirit and the spirit or the wind of this world, that we that we could live in this world and walk in this world and express God in this world through consciousness. As was the beginning thing that Adam did, and Adam gave names to all the animals, and and as and we saying, I believe that's when the beginning of Adam's consciousness and our consciousness begins, when we begin to begin to say, there's this and there's that. This is not separation. This is right consciousness. And we'll get to all of that here in a minute. Okay, so the Lord God puts us inside this paradise. Nothing can hurt us. Nothing can destroy us, nothing can come against us. We don't know pain, we don't know sorrow, we don't know heat, and we don't know cold, um, <clears throat> we don't know bitter, we don't know sweet. In a way, we don't know. We don't know anything in this beginning state. Because, as I said, our lives experience creates the consciousness. And, uh, or our consciousness rises to meet. the 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 level or the expression that we're moving into that's the way it always happens um so here we are and and Adam and Eve had the full package but they didn't know yet that they had the full package and in that innocent state there was no law against them there was nothing to testify against them at all whatsoever uh all they did was right and good and holy um I think they don't believe I will, I was going to say there's a lot more to Adam and Eve that we could discuss, but we need to move on. But of course we all know the one commandment, the one prohibition they were given was to not to eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Well, again, we don't know we don't know Jack. We're not conscious. We're not conscious of life and death. God says this thing that says, "You shall, in the day you eat of it, you shall surely die." And we have no concept of that. Uh, all of these things come about through experience. You can—it's like, I mean, maybe God took them through a class and they had blackboard and they had notebooks and they learned some things about what life was. I don't know. I don't really think so. Um, but they were just not conscious of who they were. They weren't conscious of opposites. There was no light and light and dark. It, there was no, uh, you know. I, I, well, it does say there was a morning and there was a there was a, a, a day and there was a night. So there was that contrast there. But other than that, very little to to bring them into consciousness of who they were as sons of God, except for this one tree and. Uh, God says, now don't eat of that tree. If you do, the day you eat of it, you'll die. And like I said, they didn't know what that meant. And so along comes this uh, snake, a talking snake. Now, of course, this sounds preposterous. It can only be, uh, you know, a children's story, a talking snake. Well, maybe, maybe, maybe not. Um... Uh, the the life in paradise before the fall was of a different quality than this life. I think we don't understand that often. I think we just kind of see that as the same old earth we live in now with some extra nice trees and uh, waterfalls and whatever we would think that paradise might be. And just sort of all the best of the earth kind of in one little place. Um, I think it was an entirely different existence in the earth. Um, and that it was paradise retreated into the mystery, um, when Adam and Eve left it. And then they came into the hard rocks, you know, thunderstorms, um, uh, this, this this earth that we live in, which is filled with, it wasn't then, it wasn't until after the fall, but it became filled with violence. Animals doing violence to animals. Men doing violence to men. The, the, the wrath of nature uh, blowing things down, blowing people's houses down. I mean, they just came out into this chaos of a world when they lived in this wonderful spiritual nursery. And of course, what did it? Well the talking snake made you think that if you eat of that tree, you're you're gonna become conscious, you're gonna become wise as God, knowing good and evil. Or basically knowing everything. See God this tempter is saying, he's really holding out on you. He's um, he, he, he's he's really not telling you all that all that you are. And well and as is as is so much of the devil's manipulations, there was truth in that. They hadn't been told everything yet. Just like you don't tell... You know, God doesn't tell us much about what's ahead. Um, and, you know, no one ever knows. And so, so here's... You know, without having had an experience of wise, an experience of knowing, they, they're totally ignorant. They've been given a commandment. And, they, and they're tempted to disobey the commandment. Why are they tempted? Because they think it will be a shortcut to whatever it is that they want. <clears throat> a shortcut to knowing everything. A shortcut to the knowledge of good and evil. And the devil says, come on. Take a bite. It won't kill you. I mean, of course, we want wisdom, don't we? And here's here's, here's this talking snake saying, look, if you eat this fruit, you'll have wisdom. And, uh, I mean, that's a good motive, right? I mean, after all, like the serpent said, if we eat of this fruit, eat of the fruit of this tree, well, we'll be as God Himself. Which is, as we might add, Mr. Lucifer, Mr. Talking Snake, that's his name. Lu- uh, uh, Isaiah 14 talks about Lucifer, son of the morning, and it talks about how he wants to ascend above this, he will be like the Most High. Well, see, so you can't have something like the Most High. There is only the Most High. So, something can't stand apart from, separate from him, and be like him and see this is where what we call separation occurs um we can be like him in the sense that he is in us and he expresses his life through and as us and that in that sense we are like him um but it is even more than like you could take the like out the word like and just say it's him manifesting through and as us but this thing about being like God, um, as it says in Isaiah 14, is is a, is, is a total break-off from God. It's saying, that, say that well, okay, you've got sufficiency sufficiency in yourself, you've got light in yourself, well look, it's in me too. I've got all this power, I've got all this might, I'm just like Him in myself. I don't need this God to indwell me because I've already got the stuff. And so that's in, in the split eternal second that that choice was made, which is also beyond our capabilities because ter- eternity seems to us to be one only thing and not a series or a sequence of events so that there's no past or there's no future. Well, I don't think we, we really have a comprehension of that. It's beyond our, our understanding. Except that it, it, it should suffice us to know this glimpse we've been given into it in Isaiah 14 and Ezekiel 28. Some dispute that's what it means, but this is what we are saying it means. is that this one created angel, created to bear the light of God, instead to chose to be his own light said, I will be like God, I'll be a, a God copy. And of course he could not, because he only, without the life of the sun, you see, the entire universe is made safe through the sun. God, in a sense, is made safe through the sun. And what I mean by that is, is that the, the nature of God and the beings of God, um, William Law has this great expression, the eternal God is the eternal will to all goodness god wills nothing but good god wills nothing but life and this is the god who has uh, expressed himself by means of the son but in order for god to um, come be this eternal other lover if he is indeed a person as we are and the Bible says that we are derivative persons from him, from him, He who is the real person. You see, we're only derived forms or um, uh, created, upheld forms, holograms almost. Or I, I, it's hard to describe. There's so many terms that could describe it by which the living God makes Himself known. And so the forms are not God to his, not God in in, in His Godhead. The forms are the Son of God expressing through uh, material, the universe through, through creatures made in His likeness, according to a material universe such as the one that we're in. And so, the body and the shape of the body isn't doesn't what isn't what matters, but it's what the body contains. And so, um, the move of God. Uh, to 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 express and and to be an, an eternal will of all, to all goodness has to be with a with an absolute eternal no to being a self for itself and and he's going to create a universe where which which has in a wrong way the the. The inhabitants of the universe turned in on him and loving him for his own needs' sake. Um, it's like a it's it, it's like a, a parent child relationship when the parent has a sick possessiveness of the child and can't let the child go, and um, and and that would be what God would be like if. Um, if he hadn't said no eternally no to self for, self for self and said yes eternally to self for others i'll be a lover i'll be one who dies for others i'll be one who gives his life that that to death that life might come out of it and so that's the office of the son and so the son comes and enacts that into godhead so there's, there's continuing continuing uh, as it says in uh, a great word that describes this circumincession. In other words, the Trinity—Father, uh, Son, Holy Spirit—are continually in- interpenetrating each one, each the other, and so that one cannot. There's, you know, you're not going to say, "Here's the Father, here's the Son, here's the Spirit." They're one, and so they interpenetrate each other. They have different offices within what they do, but but nevertheless, they're one. And this is, and when that. Function is in is in a human being. Then that human being begins to function after the purpose of his creation is to take that 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 inner fire, which we'll discuss later, and that that drives us and that motivates us and moves us. That zeal, but tames it and sweetens it with water of life, so that this is a so that this is a. Uh, this life becomes a, a free flow, a free flow in rest, out of this, out of this center of rest where the Godhead lives within us. We, the, the inner, all of the whole entire heaven of heavens, all of creation lives within each one, each one of us. The whole universe lives within each one of us. Isn't that interesting? And we live in the midst of the whole universe. But we're getting ahead of ourselves. So we'll end this beginning to say that that we've left Adam and Eve leaving the garden. The Lord God makes them some animal skins and He gives them a promise that through the seed of the woman there should come the bruiser of the serpent who would eventually break the serpent's rule and bring forth the life of God through Christ in all humanity which would culminate physically in Jesus Christ of Nazareth and his crucifixion, death, burial and resurrection and ascension and spiritually uh, this is he is in all of us reproduced by the Holy Spirit so that the same life which is Christ um, is expressed by us but as Adam and Eve are left they have none of that. They're sent out into the world to till the ground and to earn the living, their living by the sweat of their brow. And they, they're pushed out the gate. There's a, sword, a, a, a chair up there with a sword who won't let anyone pass except through certain conditions. It's closed off. It becomes invisible to Adam and Eve. It's kind of like they got out of a spaceship Onto Earth, and the spaceship dematerialized the moment they were out of it. It did not exist anymore in their sight. They could not go back to it anymore. Do you see? It wasn't like it was a physical place that's that's uh, you know 12 miles down the River Euphrates in a big in in a big jungle forest there. Um, no, it existed in mystery, and when and. And and it could have covered the whole earth conceivably. We can't, you know, say what because it didn't happen that way. God knew it wouldn't happen that way. But he crossed paradise to grow uh, in a certain place, in a certain time, for a certain purpose that this nursery might start, that he might put man on the path to coming to consciousness of who he is, and then coming to consciousness of who he is in Christ and becoming that other lover that Christ himself is and he is in us so that's where we're headed okay end of part two